Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. I've got my eye on your money. I'm Michelle Martin. Today, very happy to welcome back to the show Swapnil Mishra, Head of Private Wealth at Crystal.ai. Okay, first question, Swapnil. With all market attention focused on U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell, I want to take a step back uh, for the listener who may be new to the, invest- to the investment market. Why does it matter that 10-year yields are going up and that Powell isn't doing anything to rein it in? Um, well, thanks for having me back, uh, Michelle. Uh, in terms of the, uh, you know, jumping straight into the question, uh, so I think the the nuance is in the in the two words, which is uh, reflation or inflation. Mm. And it's uh, growth is needed. Uh, uh, liquidity has been provided, and the expectation is that it will lead to at least some increase in inflation. There's a target inflation in in uh, is is there for Fed. Two percent. But if this mm-hmm. is two percent, but if it goes beyond that, the expectation of that inflation is something that is a cause of concern because if that inflation expectation comes in, then Fed is expected to raise the rates, rein in, and the Fed has clearly indicated that it's too early to even consider reining in anything, which means inflation may be allowed to go beyond the 2%, and that's causing this entire concern when the 10-year treasury or 30-year treasury or the entire yield curve is um, is steepening or the... 10 year is becoming higher and the shorter end is becoming lower. The inflation will happen and nothing will be done about it. Yes, that's the concern. So as an investor, it effectively mm-hmm. means that if I am giving money for 10 years, mm-hmm. then I am demanding more yield because I believe that there is going to be inflation. And that is why the 10 year yield is going higher. All right. So why is there concern that the Fed is at risk of falling behind the curve, that markets are reacting to this inflationary risk, but the Fed is not? Why is that concern? Because for, from Fed's point of view, they have to balance the element of growth as well. Mm-hmm. So this year, for every central bank in the world, the target is to continue the recovery narrative and provide as much support as needed to, uh, to keep that growth to come back to the pre-COVID levels. Now, in, in trying to do that, there is also a fear of inflation, which may come, let's say, at, you know, one year, two year down the line. And hence the uh, you know, Fed is kind of caught in the middle and the market expectation is that if you do something to stop the inflation, then it is going to affect the equity markets. And that is why we are seeing these days, like yesterday also we saw, mm-hmm. both bond market and equity market are selling off at the same time because because of this uh, you know, lack of clarity as to what direction is Fed going to go. Mm-hmm. So far, they have maintained that they are going to allow inflation to increase. Yes, yes. Because they're not increasing rates anytime soon. Okay. All right. Let's take a step back now and talk about bubbles. So China's top banking regulator a couple of days ago 
At a news conference, Guo Shuqing said financial markets are trading at high levels in Europe, the US, other developed countries, which runs counter to the real economy. So um, he basically saying stock market rallies in Wall Street and elsewhere are looking like bubbles and they are bound to eventually correct. Now, investors stand on two sides on this debate. There are investors banking on global recovery. There is a vaccine rollout. Um, recovery is expected. And then there are those who are worried about asset bubbles, particularly in light of news like this coming from China. So which side do you fall on? So I would fall on the side that uh, fundamentally being able to predict that there is a bubble and the bubble is going to burst, that ability to predict is is non-existent. It is very difficult and almost impossible to predict, which means if you take a view Mm. that this is a bubble and it's going to burst in the next three weeks, and if you take an investment decision on that basis, and if your decision is wrong because the bubble actually burst one and a half years down the road, Mm. then that's going to be an expensive mistake because you have kind of time, you know, you have kept yourself out of the market. The way to handle this problem is not to focus on the bubble and the timing of the bubble burst, mm. but by, I would say, staying diversified and also the rebalancing or the rotation across sectors. I think you know, COVID has brought about this factor as a very important one, where uh, not everything is good and not everything is bad. Mm. So one has to be able to rotate between the various sectors. Okay, so I understand the argument for diversification. But in the short term, if we see tech stocks, small caps worsening. The S&P 500 um, in positive territory, but it reversed course during Powell's interview, down 1.3%. Um, there's all this um, comments that uh, multiples are going to be affected of tech stocks in particular if um, we do see inflation kicking in. So in the midterm, um do you think an asset bubble is likely? I don't think in the midterm asset bubble is likely because mm. there are still other sectors which have not yet, uh, there is room for them to go. Energy is there, banking is there. Uh, we are seeing REITs, in fact, well supported, mm. uh, which is also a strange one because normally when yields go up, REITs uh, do come under pressure. But in this case, I think the preference for a real you know, brick and mortar asset is giving more confidence to investors rather than uh, you know, a US dollar backed currency backed, which is anyway being, you know, printed in, in large quantities. Mm-hmm. So so I would say these sectors still have room to go. Travel tourism has, has barely begun. Uh, you're seeing metals, commodities. So some of these are sectors are, um, are making a comeback. Mm. And uh, tech is, of course, taking a, I mean, it's been running. It's been, it's been running hard last year. So mm-hmm. the sector also needs to take a break. Um, so it will see some pullback which is which is a good sign i would say all right in in light of rising bond yields you mentioned diversified um and a diversified approach to portfolios people are wondering should i be you know is it value is it growth so are you saying that you should have both of these kinds of stocks absolutely so rebalancing and and keeping you know being being aware of what sectors you have i think is is important so if you take a like cyclicals or even the mid cap, small cap, mm. uh, these are sectors which are going to be important. On the fixed income side also, now there are instruments that are available. So you have ETFs which help you protect against uh, inflation. So uh, really? are, what are these? So like, for example, there's IWAL, there is TIP. Uh, so some of these, basically their uh, yield is ma- mapped onto the inflation expectations. So as the yields increase, they also give you higher yield and hence protect you against uh, inflation. So 
it would be a good idea to add uh, some of that in the portfolio if uh, inflation is a concern. I'm sorry, could you mention that first um, ETF again? Was it iWall? iWall. iWall. iWall tip. There are quite a few of them. There are about 10, 15 of them. Uh, Mm -hmm. They do different things, but essentially they are helping protect against the uh, inflation. Saudi Arabia and OPEC Plus allies shocked the oil market with a decision to keep supply in check, sending prices surging and adding inflationary pressure to the global economy as it emerges from the pandemic. So when we look at oil prices in the midterm, do you think that we could see a stem in the rise of oil prices or do you expect them to rise further? So I think there's clearly disagreement between, or at least, I mean, they've not said it officially, but uh, there is speculation that uh, Saudi wants to slow down the production. Russia wants to increase the supply. Mm. And uh, I think one thing they both will agree on is they don't want the oil price to go down. I think that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> so, so I think they'll, they'll find some compromise there. Um, and they would want the oil price to continue its uh, kind of journey uh, from here on, and uh, hopefully with the higher frequency, I think the meeting schedule is also they are now made it monthly. So hopefully they'll be able to react uh, faster if there is something that happens in the in the oil price because of their uh, actions. But I, I think they'll 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 resolve it. They'll get a compromise. Okay. Now, it was announced a couple of days ago that Hang Seng Index over in Hong Kong would be going through its biggest transformation since it was launched in the 1960s. The number of constituents rising to 80, uh, it was 50, and eventually that number going to rise to 100. So how do you expect that this shakeup of the Hang Seng Index could affect Hong Kong markets? I mean, typically any such, you know, index, when it becomes uh, more broad-based, it is definitely, uh, you know, it is more representative. And overall, that's a positive thing. Uh, the second point is that from a from a volatility point of view also, it, it makes the market a bit deeper. And uh, hence, it should help in containing a little bit of the volatility, which is typical of uh, very, you know, not so deep uh, indices. So in this case, I would consider this as a positive uh, for the market and for the investors. Okay, okay. Um, That's the Hong Kong index. Do you think that um, there is room for the SDI to think about a similar rebalancing? I mean, I think there is always room for doing this, but Mm. uh, maybe this year it would be difficult to intervene because... There are many other things to focus on. I, I would rather, I would say they should be done at a time when uh, the overall, uh, you know, macroeconomic conditions are more stable. Okay, it makes a lot of sense. Now, this week, China today, actually, kicking off its biggest political meeting of the year, the National People's Congress. And we have, uh, you know, preliminary data out of it. China's setting a conservative economic growth target of above 6% for the year. That's below what economists forecast. Other key highlights, the CPI target set about 3%. Um, government bond sales plan for 2021 to the tune of about 3.6 million. And China expecting monetary policy to be prudent and fiscal policy to be proactive. So as an investor, what are you looking out for from this meeting? I think one key messaging which is uh, going to affect the market is the stance on uh, tech and tech regulation. Mm. Because that's one thing which is going to affect the 
the investors directly uh, a large uh, number of uh, tech companies uh, your your even your flagship alibabas of the world are uh, for china are uh, you know dependent on at least getting the right messaging so this this is this will be a time where they will have to get it right um and and the second would be of course the attitude towards uh, us so whether uh, things are going to be you know hawkish in response to the secretary of state's comments uh, on china or is, will it be a little more uh, you know conciliatory in terms of trying to uh, build trust especially after the entire uh, blame game for the coronavirus so i think that uh, is the second point which would be which will give a, a sense on whether they will be working closely and provide stability or we will still have issues um i don't know i think the uh, yeah i would say these are the two key things which will have a direct impact on the on the on the market sometimes this happens you know i speak with guests off air and then they come up with such a brilliant point i say swapnil you have to come back and explain that bit on volatility and our portfolios <laughs> on that point of you know what can we do to rebalance our portfolios in this current economic um condition go ahead swapnil <laughs> yeah so no thanks thanks so much so you know what we were talking earlier about how uh, if like right now if you see the correction in the equity markets if you take last night as an example equity market was down s&p broke 3800 uh, bonds are down because the yields have are going up mm. uh, but volatility has uh, gone up and when when we say volatility over here it is possible to incorporate volatility as an asset class in a portfolio itself so if you have a diversified portfolio mm-hmm. it's possible to use uh, an etf like let's say the the wix which is an etf that's available to um, add in the portfolio and so what it does is just like you have gold and you have bitcoin which provide hedge to the portfolio when things you know when all asset classes don't move in the same way it's possible to add uh, volatility also um in the portfolio so, so you can expect- have a volatility etf the real time index uh, uh, and e- what do these etfs hold anyway futures yes yeah, so they're using of course they're using derivative structures to create that uh but they are allowing you to trade that index and uh, if the volatility goes up or down then accordingly the value of the etf will go up or down I see that is brilliant so incorporate volatility and that is a way that you can diversify your portfolio in times like this as well that is sheer genius yeah. um and so we, we cannot let you go without hearing your song list that best reflects market conditions swapnil <laughs> in fact it's a, it's a, one of the oldies uh, so i don't know if you followed uh, jetrotel yeah no uh, that's too old for me too old but still they have a lovely <laughs> song and the song goes too old to rock and roll too young to die <laughs> And I think that's where the market is. It's you know too high to rock and roll, <laughs> but not high enough to die. <laughs> <laughs> love it, so love it. Listen to this song. It's a lovely song. <laughs> I wish I had it on my playlist right now, but I'm going to check it out on Spotify. Oh, thanks as always for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Swapnil so, Mishra, there. He always tells us what to listen to. to make sense of markets you got to love that head of private wealth at crystal ai joining me here on money and me before acting on the information on money fm please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives financial situation and risk tolerance to listen to more great interviews download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the sbh radio app available on google play or the app store